1: Hey, everybody. It's Dan, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are going full roundtable here for these first few days of free agency. Of course, the Browns made a big splash on Monday, agreeing to terms with safety, John Johnson III. So you're going to have Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie, Scott Patsco, Ellis Williams, and me. We're going to talk all about the signing of Johnson. We took some texter questions from our Football Insider subscribers, and we talk all things free agency here on this round table. So away we go here on a Tuesday, our first free agent roundtable of the week.
2: Carl Lawson off the board. The Jets agreed to terms with Carl Lawson.
3: Scott was in the middle of an all-time rant, too. I was I all I'm so sorry. Started it again, Scott. That was so good.
4: <laughs> Scott was like writing Rashard Higgins' Players Tribune goodbye to Cleveland.
0: You yeah, never wanted
4: me. Yeah,
0: exactly. He's just, you know, they're arresting him for drag racing. I mean, what, what's going on?
1: Okay, so let's get right to it. As I said in the intro, the whole crew is with us here. And let's just start at the top, guys. John Johnson is the Browns' first free agent splash of the offseason. They agreed to terms with him. Pretty good-sized contract, as Mary Kay wrote, uh, just before we started recording this here on Monday night. Not the most money he could have made. Still plenty of money for John Johnson. So let's just do this. Let's kick it around this way. Your initial reaction or what it told you that John Johnson is the guy that the Browns signed? Mary Kay, why don't you start us off?
2: Well, the first thing that came to my mind was, it's a tremendous signing. It really is. I mean, he he's probably the best safety on the market, uh, one of the best players that was available in free agency. And one of the first things that came to my mind was that they really do have to protect themselves in the event that Grant Delpit can't be everything that they hoped he would be, or perhaps that he can't be all of that in his first season back on the field from a ruptured Achilles tendon. Not only will they play a lot of three safety packages, they have to cover themselves in the event that Grant Delpit uh, just isn't able to be uh, the player right away that they expect him to be. Now, I I really think, I mean, the, the tremendous hope is that he will be that. And they had such great expectations for him, uh, but now they are one hundred percent covered. And in the, the event that he comes back healthy, this is one of the best safety rooms potentially in the NFL. This is a really, really good group. John Johnson can basically do it all. You know, he he's tremendous in in tackling. He, you know, he's great in coverage. He can play free. He can play strong. And, uh, and, and I think it's just it's a great, great acquisition.
4: Doug, what did you think? Ah, get to me. Who on this list? Who on this podcast <laughs> had safety at the top of their free agency list? Not you, not you, not you, not you, me. This is perfect. So I see Ellis tw- I see Ellis texting, I should have seen this coming. What do you mean should I? I did see it coming. This is the most important thing they had to do. So I said Anthony Harris for 14 and a half. It's John Johnson, who was my second choice for 11 and 0.25 per year. This ties the whole defense together. Mary exactly right. Nickel is the base. Nickel is the base. Nickel is the base. They're going to play three safeties all the time if Delpit's healthy. And if he's not, you're covered. So it helps you both ways. It's the number one thing they needed to do. Now, I'm, we'll get to it. I'll be curious to see what you guys think about. Will they get an edge rusher? Will the edge rusher signing maybe still be more money or more important than this, or is this the big splash? You know, just cause your first doesn't mean you're the biggest, but I think maybe it's, I think it will be the biggest. It's the number one thing they had to do. It ties it all together. It's great.
1: Ellis, why didn't you see it coming? Come on.
3: Yeah, no, Doug's right. I did not see this one coming in the sense that I didn't think this would be the big splash. Like I, Joe Woods needs to win by rushing four and creating pressure that way. And perhaps both positions are equally important. It's actually interesting that that may be the case now building in Cleveland because Johnson's coming from a defense that had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, the top rusher in the league and the top cover guy in the league. Not that the Browns are going to be acquiring guys like that, but what I'm trying to say is that, perhaps both positions have equal importance and this was the area of the market where the Browns could still find any efficiency. I think like tight end safety is still a market that probably is slightly underpaid. Like for how much tight ends in the middle of the field impact a football game, you think guys who could eliminate that type of stuff would be paid a little more and they're just not yet. So slide in Johnson rather than a, you know, 15 plus million dollar edge rusher. And we can get to that perhaps that, that, that is still on the table. But this is the perfect mirror, and Dan, you said it in your post about the type of signing that this front office would be attracted to. So after you lay it out like that, it, it makes a lot of sense. And what impresses me most about John Johnson is the pedigree that he's from. Playing his first four years in Los Angeles, he's played for two defensive coordinators, the first one being Wade Phillips. Uh, 2019, he, he was kind of in and out of the lineup battled injuries, but in 2018 he led the Rams with five interceptions and Wade Phillips really just raved about the year he was having. That was the Rams had a top five defense that year and he was a focal point about it. When Brandon Staley came in to get the job, he mentioned something about how he wanted to build his defense around Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and he mentioned John Johnson as those three. And I thought, I think that's really telling that here's a guy who he thought could play the middle of the field and clean up everything and be the queen on a chessboard, if you will, in between what Jalen Ramsey is doing in the secondary and what Aaron Donald's doing up front. So when it all comes together, it makes perfect sense. And I didn't see it coming because I thought the edge rushing market would take top priority, but this is probably the perfect balance of priority and financial intelligence when we're dealing with Andrew Barry in this front office.
1: This is this year's Jack Conklin for the Browns. We'll we'll get into that. Uh, Scott, what did you think?
0: Well, my first reaction was to go back and look through all the stories we wrote on our free agency suggestions from this past week to see who mentioned John Johnson. And when I saw that Doug had mentioned John Johnson, I knew we were going to hear about it tonight. So yeah. thank you for living up to everything I expected there, Doug. Look, I, I had Ed Rusher uh, at the top of my list for for what I thought they should do, and just I mean if we don't know that this was priority number one, maybe Trey Hendrickson was priority number one and it just hasn't happened yet. But the fact that they did go out and spend money at safety, I think maybe tells me that they have maybe plans for Grant Delpit that go beyond just being a traditional safety, because, you know, if you're going to have three safeties on the field and if you're playing nickel most of the time and you have, you know, your slot corner out there, you have one linebacker, you're, maybe moving Delpit into into a kind of a hybrid role there, perhaps. So I, I thought about that. But beyond that, Johnson just seems like a great fit. He seems he's, everybody's talking about how smart he is. He really has a pretty even split in between the box and free safety. And if you're into PFF grades, he's the only safety last year who graded above 80 in run defense, tackling, coverage, and overall defense. Nobody else did that except for him. So, And he's been consistent for you know, the f- three years that he's been healthy. So it wasn't like this was a big year for him. He hit free agency and cashed in. It's, he's been doing this since, since he came into the league. So the Browns got a really good player for the back of the defense.
1: I actually didn't know if he'd make it to free agency, to be honest. Uh, he was one of those guys kind of like uh, like Shaq Barrett. I kind of looked at him and thought, oh, he's going to stay with the Rams. They're not going to let him go. It's interesting. The Rams decided to pay Leonard Floyd instead. So, I mean, this is one of those situations where clearly the Rams valued the edge rusher more than than bringing back a safety that was in their building. And they have a new defense coordinator this year too. Mary Kay, go ahead.
2: Yeah. You know what? I just wanted to ask Doug real quick. If you thought that Grant Delpit was coming back healthy and you thought that Ronnie Harrison was your other starting safety, what made you think that safety was a huge need for them.
4: Playmaking safety, I think I think three linebackers is a sub package now. That they're I mean that's what Joe Woods wants to do. I think they'll be in three safeties all the time. And I don't I think I think playmaking safeties that cause quarterbacks to think can be as valuable as pass rushers who get it in their face. And I think, But I think, Mary Kay, off the top, you explained it perfectly because I think you're adding the strength, but you, you can play them all. They're going to be three. If Delpit's healthy, three of their best 11 defensive players will be their three safeties, and they'll play them together all the time. But it's also a great hedge. So I think it doubled the value because of Delpit's situation. But I think if you have all three, I think it increases the value. Harrison's your third best safety now, potentially, right? I mean, if Delpit is who we think it is, so you're adding the strength, but he's your best guy now because even Delpit, if he's completely healthy, still has never played a snap in the NFL. So that's why I thought I thought it made sense, like in multiple different ways for them. And if it's all three, I don't know that you can have too many good safeties because then those quarterbacks don't know what they're going to do, and all of a sudden you get more dangerous as a defense.
2: I was going to say, I just think that that was the part that that kind of didn't have me as much on the safety scent for somebody that was going to make $11.25 million is because I knew how excited they were about Grant Delpit. I know how excited they are about Ronnie Harrison. And I I, I think that's kind of where I was thinking, you got to get somebody opposite Miles. And I still think that they will. I still think that's something that they will definitely do. I mean, there still are guys left and some of the top guys that we have been talking about. So we don't know that this was, as Scott mentioned earlier, their top target. They might end up spending, you know, whatever, 12, $13 million on a, on a pass rusher. But I think that's why I wasn't thinking that along those lines as much, because it seemed to me that they had their two starting safeties. And this says to me that maybe they're not a hundred percent sure that they're going to be able to count on Grant as much as they hope that they can.
4: I would just say, I think we need to start thinking in terms of three starting safeties. I think that's part of the two. I think to think that they have two starting safeties and somebody is like a backup. I just don't think if they're all healthy, that's the reality. I think you have three starting safeties and two linebackers.
1: I I agree with Doug, because I think we have to remember back at training camp last year, Grant Delpit was not starting at safety. Anderson Hill and Carl Joseph were starting at safety. And Grant Delpit, when he was on the field, was not playing traditional safety unless he was with the second team. And Joe Wood said to us that they had a lot of plans for Grant Delpit to kind of play all over the field after he got hurt. He he kind of admitted that to us, and that's why they went and got Ronnie Harrison. And even when they got Ronnie Harrison, he wasn't your starting safety until they finally just decided they needed him to play free safety in the playoffs. The reason I say this is Jack Conklin, I actually should say this is Austin Hooper from last year. Young guy, second contract, big money, and he puts all your cards on the table as to what your scheme looks like. When they went out and they, they signed Austin Hooper and they, they brought in Jack Conklin to run that zone blocking team, we knew exactly what the offense was going to look like before we saw it, a snap based also on what we knew about Kevin Stefanski. They're telling us right now what this defense is going to look like. And I, I'm, I'm kind, of, I kind of agree with you, Doug. I think it's a three-safety defense. And I also wonder if it kind of I, – I almost wonder if having a true nickel corner, you know, just a guy that can solely play nickel like a Brian Poole, becomes less important. And if maybe versatility at cornerback, a guy that can play inside and outside um, becomes more important to kind of pair with these guys, because I think we'll see Delpit playing nickel. We'll see Johnson playing nickel like he did with the Rams. I think there's a lot of different ways this could go now.
3: Yeah. And I think it made just a linebacker position in general, less important. I mean, Ronnie Harrison is in ways built like a, a smaller linebacker. And if we're just going to pencil him in athletic wise, one to three, you can, Imagine Ronnie be, being more towards the line of scrimmage like that. And all three of them can do that. So if you're going to play those three guys and, and entrust one or two of them with some just box responsibilities, you're going to have a lesser important or need at linebacker. This is, you know, it makes me rethink how they attack the draft. It, it of course, makes me re- rethink how the, the rest of free agency is going to go. It's a, Though we should have seen it coming, you're, I love how you laid it out there, Dan. It, it does completely show what this defense is going to look like um, in week one of the season.
1: Scott, I mean, what, what does this show you? Is that Am I going down the right road there in your mind, or, or do you see something different?
0: As far as versatility goes? Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Look, that's what, that's what you want to be on defense. While the offense is trying to get mismatches by moving tight ends around and all the things the Browns do, you need defenses that can match up against that and kind of take those advantages away. And, you know, like, like Doug said, if you're, you have three quality safeties, you're going to, you're going to be in a good position with that. Whether the guys are, whether, whether it's a run play, you have, you have a safety in the box. Who's good at tackling. If it's a, if it was a pass play, you got a couple safeties, especially in, in Delpit and, and Johnson who are great in coverage, uh, against, especially against tight ends. So it's, it gives you more versatility. I don't know how that's going to translate over to, slot corner and whether or not they will get someone who can who can play all over the place but definitely at safety they're they're in a good place right now and also think about the depth at some positions for the Browns and how they have you know more starting caliber players than they probably really need and they're going to make it work you know they make it work with running back you could argue that it's a situation with tight end and now safety this is a whole different world for a Browns franchise compared to a few years ago for sure.
4: Scott, did you just bring up hashtag too many good players?
0: Oh my goodness. I might have I think done that. You <laughs> might have.
4: I think you might have. I like it.
3: <laughs> 12 and 4. <sighs> Write it down. I, I think this too, as I'm slowly watching some of this John Johnson tape. It just, you know, with, with when they when a team signs like a a receiver or running back, it's it's a lot, it's a little easier to go find the tape because you know, you know where the ball is, you know, when they get the rock. Going through this tape, you just kind of hoping something happens, but it almost allows you to dive deeper because you just learn what they look like in any given play. And where I'm going with this is that he's a excellent tackler. He is really instinctive and around the football, true to his form, uh, strong, doesn't really miss. Uh, I, I sent out to the subtextures, he missed like 7.9% of his uh, tackles a year ago. That's a pretty low mark for a safety. And I know – Grant didn't play last year, of course, with the injury, but coming out of LSU, there were questions about his tackling ability, whether he shares those up or not. This gives Joe Woods an option in the Browns some flexibility, the versatility we're talking about to move Grant away from the line of scrimmage if they so please let him play, you know, the closest thing is you'll get to a traditional free safety in this Joe Woods defense and then allow Ronnie and John Johnson to play around the line of scrimmage.
1: Mary Kay, I do want to throw something at you because I do think it's relevant to talk about Grant Delpit and that injury in this, because this could be, I mean, an Achilles is a serious injury. Now he's young. You know, we're not talking about a 30 year old. It's it's different when you're 30 and you tear that Achilles, like Olivier Vernon, it's going to be really hard for him to come back from that. Mm -hmm. Grant Delpit's younger. It's usually a little easier to come back from, but it is a long process. So, I mean, there is a chance he got hurt in August. I mean, we don't exactly know where he's going to be in July or even at the start of the season.
2: Right. And I think that's something to take into consideration. Now Joe Woods was telling us point blank towards the end of last season, that he wants to play more dime defense. We heard all along uh, when, when they first drafted Grant Delpit, that they wanted him to play, uh, you know, more of the the big nickel, you know, type of, of position. Uh, so, so you knew that he wanted to do some, creative and interesting things with three safety packages and with sub defenses. So they definitely need as many good defensive backs as they can possibly get. At the same time, uh, I do think that, that you just have to take into account a player coming off a ruptured Achilles. Now he looks good. When we look at him on social media and we see him working out, and we see him lifting a lot of weights he looks really, really good. But it's generally an 11-month recovery, usually, to come back from a ruptured Achilles. So that already is going to put you into July-ish. And, you know, then you have to get back into football shape and all that kind of stuff. I th- I think they have every reason to believe that he is going to be okay. But you just don't really know. A study was done in, I think it was 2017, that roughly 28%, only about 28% of guys don't really make it back. So his chances are really good of making it back, but it's a tough injury. A ruptured Achilles is tough. I mean, it's starting to be worse now than a torn ACL. A torn ACL used to be almost a death sentence in the NFL for a player. Now it's like torn ACL, whatever. We'll see you in six months and you'll be good to go. Not so quite yet. Uh, with a ruptured Achilles. So I think that in addition to all the things that we're talking about in terms of sub defenses and three safety packages, which there will be plenty of, I also think it's a tremendous insurance policy, a tremendous insurance op- policy towards injuries in that back end. And, you know, there are just guys back there that, for one reason or another, have some injury history. You've got Greedy coming back off of a shoulder injury. And of course they're hoping against hope that he can get on that field and stay on there for 16 games, coming back from nerve damage. You've got Grant coming back from a ruptured Achilles. You've got Denzel Ward who misses his, generally misses his four games. You have Ronnie Harrison who missed some time last year. So you need depth. And, and you need really, really good players in that back end, especially to play the sub defenses that Joe Woods wants to play.
4: And to that point, we've heard Mary Kay talk about the Delpit stuff before. If Grant Delpit's not ready week one and they didn't spend money on a safety, what are they going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Too much. Well, honestly, what did you think they were going right. to, what are they, they going to do? They're going to play Ronnie Harrison and who was going to be there, the starting safety. If they didn't, they were going to pull somebody off the scrap heap like they did last year. Red wine. Good luck. That's (laughs) not not a good option right now. (laughs) Everything Mary Kay just said just reinforces its double value on this signing. It's double value, as she said.
1: Okay, real quickly, before we move on to some other stuff, uh, I do think it's important with kind of every single one of these moves. Maybe we've touched on this a little bit, but I do think it's important because we're only in year two of this Andrew Berry thing, right? And he doesn't tell us anything. You got to really read between the lines to kind of figure out what he's talking about. And there's stuff there, but you really got to dig in and dig it out. But I do think every move is an opportunity where he puts those cards on his table, as I like to say. And, and we get to kind of see how he does this job and how he builds this roster. Did we learn anything from this signing? Anything stand out that you thought, OK, this taught me something about Andrew Barry? I mean, it reinforced something to me, but I'm just curious what you guys have to say.
4: So I'll do something quick on, on, I think, what someone had mentioned, like market efficiency and some of this stuff. The reason I just didn't think that an edge rusher, the top edge guys, I mean, like the money that people are talking about there, if you're paying 14 or 15 million for some of those guys, I just didn't think that that's where they would go when they're already paying miles that. And it feels like to me, there's a lot of guys, I think they can get, how do I say this? It feels like you can still maybe get, if you get the eighth best edge rusher on the market this year, I think you might get a decent player. And you won't have to pay him as much. I don't even know who the eighth best safety is. Like I don't even like I don't even know what that would look like. So I think it's like there might be a premium, pay the money at safety because there's not as many good options, and then wait for the edge rusher market to settle a little bit and try to swoop in because there's maybe a depth of guys at that position. And I think as much as there's strategy and how you want to scheme it up and give give Joe Woods his guys, I think there just might be some what this group of free agents is some market efficiency stuff going on. And I think Andrew Barry is always going to play
3: that game. Yeah, no, I I think we learned that Joe Woods like last year is not afraid to spend money. Like we, we started this and mentioning the market efficiency here. There's clearly a soft spot there, like in tight end, like I said, when we started this show that they're okay paying top of the market for a position like tight end or safety uh, compared to, of course, contracts they didn't dish out, but receiver or we'll see, but edge rusher. Cause that seemed that that might be the case now that they just weren't comfortable with going uh, that high where like to Doug's point, you might find similar production in a guy who's lower, you know, eight to 10 area or not, or avoiding doing something like the Patriots did and paying top of the market value for guys who really have only had one solid year production and there's still, you know, an edge rusher out there that fits that bill. So that remains to be, it is your guy. (laughs) So that remains to be seen. But the the point is that finding that sweet spot between what the coaches need, because I think that's really important to keep in mind. Like you said, Dan, this offense wasn't going to function without multiple tight ends and one guy that could really, for the most part, do it all. Right. So they get Austin Hooper. Joe Woods clearly had big, big plans. And Mary Kay was on it from the jump as soon as Grant went down that they had huge plans for Grant Delpit and they weren't able to see those come true last year. Now you're in a position where you reset, you're going to have three safeties that for the most part can all do it all as well. And that was something Joe Woods wants. So he's going to find the sweet spot in the market and he's going to go get what his coaches ask for. I'm still I'm still really curious to see how this defensive end market plays out because that is we know one thing Joe Woods also wants but we're only what 24 hours into this so we got a ways to go.
1: Yeah, we get we got some questions from our texters on on the edge rusher so we're going to we're going to get to that uh, at least briefly here in a minute. I mean to me it's just it's that profile of what you would expect from a front office that is going to go out and pay somebody. It's going to be a guy second contract, he's 25 years old and he really just f- I mean, he's a fit. He's a targeted fit to what you want. This isn't just, we're going to go get this guy and drunkenly spend money. This is, we'll spend, but it's going to be for a guy in the right point of his career who's almost an exact fit for what we're looking for. And that's not a surprise. That's what we saw last year, but this just kind of reinforces that thinking because the Browns could have gone, No, the Browns could have said, hey, we were two games away from the Super Bowl. Let's go crazy. But that's just not who... Andrew Barry in this front office are at this point, they really are still going to be targeted and still stick to their plan.
3: Yeah. And to, and to that point real quick, Dan, they're going to get every dollar out of this guy. The The two full years he's played uh, last year and in 2018, he played over 1100 snaps. Terrence Mitchell led the Browns in snaps this year with just about that number, 1100. So assuming he's healthy, which he really, aside from one year, it seems like he had some bad luck. He'll be out there and I don't see him coming off the field.
4: Can I ask Mary Kay a question real quick uh, yes. of oh, the, the one thing that you reported, Mary Kay, that John Johnson had a more lucrative offer elsewhere and picked mm-hmm. the Browns? Is yes. that something we're learning here that if in the past the Browns maybe had to overpay to get somebody to come here now that they're winning? It's not that they're going to get everybody under market value, but that seems to be a new thing if it's like, guys, free agents want to be here because they like what's going on. Man, that seems like a big deal to me.
2: Well it, I think it is a big deal and here's the thing. I've known these guys for a long time. so they're not just blowing smoke. I, these are, are guys that I have uh, dealt with for for years and years and years and I'm sure that a, a report like that could be met with an eye roll because people say, oh, it's so easy to say that after the fact. but I believe it. I absolutely 100% believe it. And I, I was also told that um, that JJ Watt, if the money, had been been better that he would have signed with the Browns, that 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 was a money situation. So here you have John Johnson loving what he saw in Cleveland, loving the program here, loving some of the guys that are already here uh, on, on this defense. And it was, you know, it was pretty remarkable that they were able to get him for less than some of the other teams. Now, some of the other other teams, you know, might not be in a position to, to win right away uh, the way the Browns were. I mean, we heard that they were uh, it was the lions, the Eagles, the Jaguars, you know, some of those teams have their issues and, and the Browns are pretty solid right now, but that's the key. The Browns are solid, right? So to hear that and to know that veteran free agents that are really, really good want to come here and are willing to take a little bit less money to come here and win. Uh, I think it's, tremendously significant.
1: Well, one veteran free agent that will not be coming here is Bud Dupree. He just signed with the Titans as we're recording or agreed to terms with the Titans as we're recording this. So that's another, that's another edge rusher off the market.
4: Is he on a short deal or did he sign for multiple years?
1: I don't see terms. No. I always right?
4: thought he was interesting for the Browns. If he was looking for like a one year prove it, I didn't know. I didn't think he made sense if he's looking for a three or four year deal, 14 or 15 a year.
1: Let's do this. Let's take a break, and when we come back, real, we're, we're going to do some of these lightning round questions that uh, some some folks sent us uh, via our text. And there were a lot of edge rusher questions, so I'm just going to pull them all into one. I want to hear names from you guys, so we'll uh, we'll do that when we come back. Hey, it's Dan. We're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to tell you about Football Insider, where you can subscribe to get exclusive access to stories on cleveland.com browns. You also get a newsletter every single day with exclusive content that's written by Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis, or me. It goes right to your inbox. That stuff doesn't show up anyplace else on the site. You get that every single day, including on the weekends in your inbox. That's just for our football insider subscribers. And then there's our texting where Mary Kay, Scott Ellis, and I will text you throughout the day with news and analysis. We do Q and a's. We answer questions. We have opportunities to come on the podcast and make picks. We do round tables, all sorts of fun things with our texters. And we're going to start putting together some stuff for you to enjoy here in the off season. So all you need to do is go to cleveland.com Browns. There's a big blue banner at the top of the page. Click on that banner, get all the information you need get yourself signed up, and get yourself access to all of that exclusive content that we have available only for our Football Insider subscribers. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this for obvious reasons because as we were recording this, Bud Dupree signed or agreed to terms with the Titans. So who knows between when we end recording this and it actually goes up some of these names we throw out could be off the market, but as of 8.35 p.m., real quick lightning round, give me the one name left on the edge rush market because so many texters sent us this question. Who do you want? So of the guys that are left as of 8.35 p.m. on Monday night, who do you want?
2: You know what? Uh, they still have a couple of really, really good options available. I mean, they've got uh, the, the one guy that I had as my Scott Patzko and I both had him sort of as our number one guy was Carl Lawson. There's just something about Carl Lawson that I think is, is just such a fit. He's 25 years old. I think he's got more uh, sacks in him than five and the five and a half that he had last year. Uh, His pass rush productivity is very, very good. I know the Bengals really want to keep him and I know they're going to make a strong push to keep him. Uh, But if the Browns can get their hands on him, I, I still like him. And yeah, so I'm just going to go with him.
1: (laughs) Scott, are you still on the corner? I I agree. I I think think?
0: he's the best. Yeah, I think he's the best edge rusher still left on the board. I guess it comes down to how much they want to do they want to do the, you know, the Austin Hooper and and Jack Conklin splash on defense. And if that's the case, well, then, you know, you pair Lawson with Johnson, that's a pretty good uh, free agency season. And you certainly shore up two big problem areas on your defense with two guys. So, yeah, he's he's probably still
2: at the top of my list.
4: Can I ask both Mary Kay and Scott with what they paid Johnson, do you think they can financially swing it to pay what it would take to pay Lawson?
2: Yeah, I think you can do it with voidable years. If you had to, they're, they're doing some very interesting things now uh, with voidable years and you just, you know, give them the big upfront money and you just spread it out uh, over a number of voidable years. So I think they can find a way to do it. I don't know if that's what they have in mind, Or, you know, maybe they are going to try to get somebody that they really liked last year a ton on a prove it deal. And that's Jadavian Clowney. They loved him last year. They offered him more money than anybody else just one year ago. And he didn't have, you know, he's coming off of an injury and he didn't have any sacks even in his first eight games. But, I mean, maybe that's something that they've got in their back pocket. I I don't know. There's just there's just a lot about Carl Lawson that I like. He's so explosive. Uh, he's a young guy. He's 25 years old. You know, I, I just think that he can be a cornerstone of your defense for years to come.
4: All right, I'm going to keep inter. Ellis wants to give his, but I'm going to keep interrupting and asking questions because here's my question. And it's why I actually like Anthony Harris was, a, was my main safety guy, because I know they like, and Dan, as you said, there's this profile of the second year contract guys kind of all in this age range. But John Johnson's in this same age range with Nick Chubb, Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, and Denzel Ward, right? So is Carl Lawson. So if you gave 11 million a year to John Johnson, if you give Carl Lawson like 14 million a year, and they're all kind of like, they're all multi-year deals coming up on the same stuff, are you pinching yourself? Can you have six guys Can you sign Lawson and Johnson and still be fine to do what you need to do with Mayfield, Chubb, and Ward, knowing you already have miles, like six guys like that? Or does that start to get tight? That's what I wonder about long-term when you're signing multi-year deals. If you want to give somebody a one-year $15 million deal and clear them off and then get Chubb and Mayfield next year, okay. That's that's what I wonder about with the younger guys long-term.
1: So there's two, there's two things I think about this. The first is when we talk about these extensions, if the Browns extend Denzel Ward now, the cap hit isn't going to be as high this year. There's still time. It, it doesn't fully kick in right away. And they can even play with that fifth year option and keep the fifth year option attached. And they can do the same with Baker Mayfield. So he would jump up to 18 million in salary. And there's some, you know, with the guaranteed money and stuff, there's things you can do. So they have a little cushion if they start extending guys where those rookie contracts will still help them. But the other piece of it too is like Patrick Mahomes just restructured his deal. Like he signed that last year. He just restructured his deal. And the Browns also have $30 million tied up in Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham that they aren't going to have tied up two years down the road, three years down the road. So I think they have wiggle room and they can find wiggle room, but it is a concern. I mean, are you going to pay Carl Lawson $16 million? Probably not, (laughs) you you know, you probably can't tie up that much money in another edge rusher, but they, they can, they can do some gymnastics around that
2: stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was just going to say, the cap's going to go way up next year. That's Uh, where you you
1: got the TV deals coming.
3: The cap's
2: going to go way up. So it's just going to be a whole new ball game next year.
3: So until I see an actual reckoning with these teams manipulating the salary cap, I, I just, I don't see the point of really, Operating as if it's all that real. I mean, Taysom Hill re- restructured his contract so they could fit Marcus Williams uh, under a free agent tag, and they have no money. The the Chiefs just did it, as you said, for to get Tooney. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's done it. It's just I've seen the Vikings kick the can down the street for two years now with Kirk Cousins just to free up room. I don't know how this ends for these teams, but I think most of these front office guys think that they'll be out of a job anyway. Once any reckoning does happen and with, Oh, and the bucks did it with Tom Brady to get Shaq Barrett. So they're just kicking yeah. this down the road for the, the salary cap to blow up. And then, you know, Tom Brady's got like three voidable years. He will be playing for a different team till he's 55 probably and the bucks will be paying for it. But my point is, I'm not sure that there's really all that much of a consequence right now. It seems like a credit card that we'll, we'll just see how this goes eventually. I want to say this about the edge rushers since that was the original question. (laughs) I'm wondering if we are actually running out of some big name guys like you look at the list and I understand Jadavian Clowney is a name and that the Browns really liked him. And I'm not saying you did this, Mary Kay. I'm just in, in talking about this market, you, you, you're probably not pairing Yannick Ngakwe next to Jadavion Clown. You know, there's an obvious tier there. And that's what I'm starting to wonder, like Ryan Kerrigan or Carlos Dunlap. Like once you start, you get past Carl Lawson, who's probably the last guy, as Doug mentioned, young, worth that $13 to $15 million range, something like that. There, there seems to be a drop-off. So I think the market is probably a little tighter than we maybe giving it credit for but there are options aside from loss and it just means the browns are going to build their defense long term in a different way
1: or, the problem too is I, I have the Jets signed anybody yet mm-mm. so i mean that's, you're talking there's still some big money yeah that's money i yeah, yeah. want to that's add an rusher? it's a really good going point gonna be fine with paying a ton of money or,
2: for it. or ellis we talked about this earlier today trade for danielle hunter
3: there you go <laughs> there you go i was happy to share that it, it, it crossed my mind. And I was like, there seems to be an opportunity here. I, I, you would know, I don't Have you, did you hear anything?
2: No. Well, I'm, I'm still kind of looking into it. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if he about, wants to be traded and those are the kinds of things that you would have to at least look into. Uh, what about so Cam Jordan? Cam Jordan.
1: What if yeah. he became available? Yeah. This is all stuff, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> let's, yeah. let's keep going here with, with some other stuff. So this there's one thing I want to, I want to point out though, and I think it's important, again, reading between those lines with what Andrew Barry says, right? He kind of cut off a question in his last press conference and I think he sort of answered a question that he wasn't being asked because he cut it off. But he kind of indicated like,, eh, maybe that second defensive end isn't quite as important as you guys think it is. Not saying that he doesn't want to add another defensive end, but he kind of cut off a question from somebody and, and threw out there that maybe it's not, that much higher of our priority than some of these other positions. And, you know, lo and behold, their first big signing, their first big money signing is a safety. So, you know, we're, we're trying to pick up on some things and, and learn some things about him. And I thought that was an interesting moment from that press conference when we, when we talked to him last week.
2: Well, if, if that's the case, then, then something has changed since in the last couple months, because yeah. they tried to sign They offered Jadavian Clowney more money than anybody else did last year. They paid Olivier Vernon $11 million last year when they didn't have to do that. I mean, they could have just let him go. He had no dead cap money. Uh, They tried to trade for Yannick Nagakwe last year. They expressed interest in, they put waiver claims in on Tack McKinley, McKinley last year, who would end up costing you some money. This year, They offered, I would say, probably double-digit millions to J.J. Watt. I would think it would have had to have been double-digit millions, maybe not 12, but maybe 10. And so if that's the case, then there's been a sea change of some sort, because to this point, they have felt that they need that other guy over there, not only just for what he brings to the table, but for what he can bring out in Miles Garrett. And, and that that is a way of supporting and protecting your number one overall pick investment and your big $25 million a year guy to give him somebody over there on that other side uh, that, that can take a little heat off, take a little bit of pressure off, but you're just going to have people hanging all over your guy. And I just don't think that's what they want to do.
1: Okay, so real quick, yes or no. Um, somebody asked, are the Browns toast if they don't sign one of these edge rushers? Do the Browns have to, have a, have to add an edge rusher in the next two weeks? Yes or no? What,
4: what does toast mean? They went 11-5 and won a playoff game. Uh, that's a bad question. No <laughs> offense, Texter. Uh, people got to shake that. I mean, I, maybe they're asking it in jest. This team has like more good players that they're keeping than basically anybody in the league. This is all, they have some targeted stuff they need to do. Let's not get free agency brain and act like if they don't sign a guy, they're dead. That's not the thinking anymore. Reminder to everyone. They're already good. This is about getting better. There's no toast here. This is all bread. It's all bread. The toaster, they threw the toaster out. You don't need to cook the bread. It's fresh, baby. This just came out of the oven, fresh and hot. It's Super Bowl bread.
2: But they did have a pass rusher on the other side. Uh, that, that almost got double digit sacks. And I think that was helpful. I think he came through uh, for them in big games, especially when uh, Miles Garrett was was not himself. Now, maybe yeah, they don't need somebody that good, but
4: they're talking about like supplementing Miles. He wasn't that good when Miles was on the field. Then when Miles was out, then he raised his game a little. He was better in the second half of the year. He was bull rushing into a wall for like the first half of the year when Miles was getting strip sacks like a maniac. So here's the thing they're not going to not line up a defensive end over there. They're going to get somebody. I just think it's going to be a second tier guy. Tack McKinley is my name, the name that you mentioned, Dan. I just think it's going to be not top tier because I just don't – I think the, the market, everybody's going to go the extra million. And America, you said that they offered Clowney more money than any, everybody last year. They're also okay. in a little bit of a different place now than they were. Like they've established themselves. They won without Clowney. So now, okay, maybe we don't have to extend as far. I think they probably have a number in mind rather than a player in mind at that defensive end spot. And they feel like there's enough options that they'll take a guy who fits for mid-level money, but maybe they don't have to stretch. That's where I think they'll go, but they'll, they'll get somebody. Okay.
3: Yeah. I've been trying to construct this defense in my mind, like the 49ers defense where Joe Woods was prior as the the passing game coordinator. To Doug's point about the number that they're comfortable nearing. Bud Dupree signed at $16.5 million per year on a multi-year deal. Yannick was at about 13 So that is up there. It's steep. And now, in real time, I'm thinking that, all right, how did the 49ers build that front? Well, they drafted everybody. And when it was time to pay DeForest Buckner, they traded him to the Colts and let the Colts pay him, and then they just drafted a, another first-round D-lineman in his replacement. Perhaps that's the way the Browns go. Doug's right. They're going to start somebody, and that just might mean now high draft capital rather than high free agency dollars.
0: Getting, getting the, the, I guess, the lower tier edge rusher can work because you're probably going to have Andrew Billings starting next to Richardson. And if you get a better season out of him than Larry Ogunjobi gave you this past season, which shouldn't be hard, that could really make a difference on this line. If you have two solid guys in the middle and they're both getting pressure because Joby just had a really bad year. Billings playing up a level can maybe offset the fact that you don't have Olivier Vernon getting, you know, 50 some pressures, or maybe the guy on the outside opposite Miles Garrett doesn't have that kind of need for, he doesn't have to be a a top end edge rusher because you have more stability across the entire line. Hogan Joby just, it was not a good year for him.
1: Okay. Two more things. I told our texters they weren't allowed to ask us about Rashard Higgins because they knew every question would be about Rashard Higgins. So I was going to ask it anyway. Day one of uh, the legal tampering period in the books, I guess, percentage wise, what do you think Rashard Higgins is back?
2: Well, the, here's a whole thing. A, pr- about a prediction
3: Rash- that could be wrong by the time this yeah. pod goes prediction live. That could it. Be
1: wrong exactly. by the time, that's why it's in the back end. Could be wrong by the time you listen to it.
2: I, I was told that, that they... Ideally, ideally would kind of like to sign him to a one year deal. So if he gets a multi-year offer from somebody else that includes a, a upfront signing bonus and he can set himself up and his family up for uh, for the foreseeable future with a decent sum of money, uh, then he will take that. But no agreement came down today that, you know, I don't I, I think the, the receivers you know, sometimes it takes a, a little bit for the dominoes to start to fall at a position. Today was edge rusher day, you know? I mean, they just flew off the market. And so once, once the receivers start to, you know, set their price, then we'll, we'll have a better idea of where Richard is going to go. He wants to come back here in the worst way. We'll have to see if the Browns are willing to, to do something creative. I thought maybe a incentive-laden one-year deal might work for him you know try try to get something in the whatever three million dollar range with with an opportunity to make more in performance-based incentives we'll see how it goes
3: yeah on the friday well the monday pod which we recorded friday i closed with asking scott mary mary Kay, you know 48 hours from monday morning hopefully when listeners are hearing this pod where do you think the browns will be with chart higgins i said that they would there would be some distance or where would what was your bold prediction i said that the Browns in the front office would have created some distance between Rashard Higgins just with no noise though. There has been no noise for the wide receiver market in to- totality. I still feel pretty good about that. Meaning a smart team is going to sign Rashard Higgins. And unfortunately one of those smart teams can't be the Browns. Cause they really just don't have the money at wide receiver to do that. So I, I feel good about where that's at. Of course that can change, but it, it just seems like there's a, going to be a chance out there for Rashard Higgins to find multi-year at five or six million dollars a year and he has to take that to to paraphrase an NFL player I think in
4: this situation the Browns are the Browns that they are they know what they will do for him and as you guys said and if somebody else does better then that's it and if somebody doesn't do better then he can come back but I don't think it's the Browns decision so it's like well okay we know where we are which is what you guys said, but it, it's just up to, but this is also the world of if your third best receiver is signed by a team who thinks he can be their second best receiver. That's what a good team does. That's what, that's what's it's called being a good franchise. Your players can do more on other teams because you have too many other good guys here. And this might be the first of many examples to come with the Browns. If that's how it goes down with Higgins and that might be the reality every off season in the future. Well, the why other would, thing
2: to consider with him, too, real quick, is that other teams, a lot of other teams play more three wides. So he might not necessarily have to be the second wide for another team. He could be the third and still get a bunch more playing time.
0: Like why would Rashard Higgins want to play here? Like, <laughs> like, The Browns have never really wanted him. They, they had four picks in the fifth round when he was drafted. He was the third one taken with a compensatory pick. He was cut and re to the practice squad, I think his second year, and he had to work his way off of that. Uh, then he ended up uh, getting benched by Kitchens. I think it's uh, – let, let, they let him walk last year, and then he has to come crawling <gasps> back for a one-year deal. Like, why? There's, there's guys, news. The Jets – The, the like,
1: Jets
2: ag- agreed.
3: Makes no sense.
1: Oh, Carl
2: Lawson off the board. The Jets agreed to terms with Carl Lawson.
3: Scott was in the middle of an all time rant, too. I was all I'm so sorry. Started again, Scott. That was so good. <laughs> it was Scott. so accurate. It was so accurate.
4: Scott was like writing Richard Higgins' Players Tribune goodbye Ooh. to Cleveland. Yeah, you never wanted me.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's just, you know, they're arresting him for drag racing. I mean, what, what's going on? Why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then Carl, Carl signed awesome. with the Jets. Just destroyed, just destroyed it.
4: No lies um, in there, Scott. No lies in there. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, there is a, some percentage of this whole Richard Higgins thing that is like a media creation, a little bit, right? That the Browns actually, driven the fans love The, the fans love him. That it's like stuff happened. They never really wanted him. Odell got hurt. Who else are you going to throw to? It's like, we get it. I mean, we all know the good things. I, I think probably fans like him more than the actual player that he is. And it's also one of those things that's just like, all right. Well, they tendered Caderel Hodge,
3: right? I was just yeah, I was just gonna say that. And they started Caderel Hodge before Higgins, anyway. To Scott's point,
4: Scott. Oh, Scott, did you have that in the part, Scott, when uh, you got cut off? Caderel Hodge starting over Higgins was that part of your thing?
0: Oh yeah, he had to work his way back onto
4: the field this past season. It's just
0: yeah. I mean, look, he's friends with Baker. Great, but I mean, there's other guys you could be friends with. Go be friends
4: with some other quarterback. <laughs> It's too real. It's too real. It's too real for this podcast. Oh I'm
2: I'm sorry for interrupting you, Scott. (laughs) I feel terrible about that. But our guy, right in the middle of that rant, you
0: gotta break news. That's what you do. Uh Even though people (laughs) won't hear this until, you know, (laughs) old news, but still.
1: Okay, before we go. Tell me something that happened today, non-Browns-related, that you liked, disliked, stood out to you.
3: I, I'll start. I And it's all connected. It's this flood of edge rushers. And in, in a way, it's connected to the Browns, starting with uh, Matt Judon when the Pats signed him, all the way to this Carl Lawson news. Uh, starting with the Patriots, I just was surprised to see how much they, they paid, and they paid top market for guys coming off career years, not usually how they do it. Bill Belichick perhaps saw someone win a Super Bowl this past year and is looking for revenge. I don't know. And then all the way to this Carl Lawson news, I'm just a little. I'm not worried. Like Doug put it right, the Browns will be fine. They're they're set up in a in a nice spot, and I think this is now actually just a changing of philosophy of how they'll address this front. They're going to be patient. It's going to be draft capital. They're going to find a bargain find, and they're just going to try and make it work because. Unless I'm missing someone, and y'all can correct me when you when you go after this, I don't see another top of the line edge rusher out there that was like a, a Carl Lawson or a Yannick and So that sale seems to have shipped, and this Browns defense in Joe Woods clearly reads Doug Maurice. Joe Woods
4: is scratching that out. He's making sure that's not the case. I will jump on the Patriots point though. It feels like the fall of Rome to me. The Patriots are like, oh, that guy was good. We'll pay him. I got-. Like it feels like it's not a plan. It feels like desperation. It feels like what bad teams do. And I know people get excited and I, and I will, I was briefly annoyed. There was a lot of joy on Brown's Twitter and I was, it was great to see. It was almost unanimous praise for the John Johnson signing. And then I saw just maybe one person who was like, Oh, Brown's fans are used to winning the off season. And I know it's like a running joke, but like that's, (laughs) I mean, they went 11 and five. Why do you have to be a fart face? I don't mean to like put too full, much of a point on it, but it's like, come on, man, they're good. And now they're adding to a good team. It feels like what the Patriots are doing, or what bad teams do It's like, try to win the off season. It's like, does it all fit together? I don't know. Ellis is saying they're paying guys who did, did it off a career year. It, and, and it's like, he's a genius, right? Belichick's a genius. He's the greatest coach in NFL history. It feels like it's over. I don't think this is like their revival. I think this is their like last desperate gasp before the bubble start and the ship goes down.
1: Well, they're, they're paying for a lot of bad drafts too. He's, he's he kind of yeah, lost his drafting bad. touch over the last few years. And I'm just curious what they're going to do a quarterback. I can't believe they do all this just to have Cam Newton or take a chance on Cam Newton bouncing back as, as their quarterback. Mine is uh, something I think Wyatt Teller and his agent probably paid a lot of attention to. And that was the five-year $80 million deal that the Kansas city chiefs gave Joe Thune. I'm sure that Wyatt Teller texted his agent, said, hey, did you see that deal? The agent said, yeah, absolutely saw that deal. So that's that's one of the things that stood out to me. I sent it out to our texters. So the Chiefs who have to rebuild that offensive line somehow, add a big name at guard, but also kind of, I don't, I don't want to say they set the market. You got to see a few more guys sign before you can say a market gets set, but uh, I'm sure that Wyatt saw that money and he would like. Something close to that. Anything else? You know, Wyatt Teller's to-
4: agent also texted back to Wyatt. Work on your pass blocking.
3: <laughs> and stop hunting alligators. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do, don't let someone videotape you, carrying it on your back. I don't know. Start there. Negotiate right. well, though.
1: <laughs> well, there we go. I think that one had it all. Our first free agent roundtable. We're going to do these throughout the week as we go along here. So just so you guys know, another roundtable tomorrow. And then again, uh, when we kind of officially get the, get these signings done uh, on Wednesday. Got to watch the tape. will be a little bit later in the week this week, so keep an eye out for that. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts. Search for Orange and Brown Talk. Uh, and also check out Football Insider, Cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page to get signed up for that. So for the whole crew, Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, and Ellis, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.